you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, it's Danielle, Will, and Ryder from Pod Meets World. Thanks to our friends at Hyundai, we were able to record a very special episode for you guys at the one and only, wait for it, Boy Meets World House. Take a listen. Are there any moments or spots on any of the sets we worked on over the seven years that you guys felt more at home that were like your little spots on the set you like to hang out? I'm afraid it was the sink. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, yeah. You had to act <laughs> by the sink a lot. Yeah. I was behind the counter. Yeah. Right. Doing business constantly. Uh-huh. Mom stuff. Uh-huh. <laughs> Disciplining you <laughs> in some way. This has been brought to you by the fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5. New episode out now. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, elevate your adventure by transforming your vehicle into a reliable Wi-Fi hotspot. Connect up to 10 devices up to 50 feet away from your vehicle, making it ideal for camping and road trips. Don't miss out on the fun. Embark on your next adventure today. Visit att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to check if you're eligible for a free trial. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Hey, everybody. From 20th Century Fox comes Screen Dive, the first podcast developed and produced by a major Hollywood studio. Screen Dive reexamines some of our most beloved films through new interviews and behind-the-scenes insights with the artists who brought them to life. Listen to Screen Dive on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, YouTube, or wherever else you like to listen. Here is one wide open for the touchdown, Garcon. What a start for Nick Mullins. Play action. Wide open. Kittle. Touchdown. And Mullins is on fire. There may be a few less people on the bus. Back over to Oakland after this one. Oh, Nick at night had no mercy on the Oakland Raiders, 34-3. to I don't want to sound like an apologist uh, for the NFL here, but if you were going to watch just one game between two one-win teams all season that uh, is 34-3, to this has, this has to be it. It was kind of fun to watch the Nick Mullen show. It wasn't what anyone expected. This was the one of the lowest combined winning percentages in the history of primetime football entering this game after November 1st. And Nick Mullins, I mean, he came out and stole the show. Kyle Shanahan, you could tell, had him very prepared. He was, you know, he came out with a scripted plays, hit his first six throws. And then, you know, from there, it sort of became like the battle between Nick Mullins' dreams come true and a Raiders defense that didn't seem too interested in tackling anyone. Yeah, he only, Nick Mullins, uh, you know, in his second season, undrafted, Southern Miss, no one knew anything about him. A lot of people picked up, you know, the, the Raiders' fantasy defense to go up against him. But like these, like C.J. Beathard, like a lot of Kyle Shanahan quarterbacks, he was ready to go. He did some nice things in terms of looking off the defenders before going back to them, some kind of next-level stuff. Ultimately, he didn't have to do that much. Only threw 22 throws, had 262 yards, three touchdowns. Guys were pretty wide open and it was about as low as this Raiders season has been 
Like this, this was the low point. They they blend they bench Reggie Nelson at one point. Rashawn Melvin, who was their big free agent pickup, wasn't even active for the game because he was benched. They benched their right tackle Parker for a while. Like they just keep they benched Martavis Bryant last week. Had to put they can't decide who to bench because everyone's terrible. They've got two dysfunctional units at least on this team, the offensive line and the secondary. And they shift bodies in and out because they can't find anything that works. And both of those units have Gruden. Uh, the lip readers are deciphering what he's saying on the sidelines with both of them because he's so exasperated. But this reminded me, their offense, they yeah, come out. Yeah, he said, out, can't, we can't effing block anyone. Yeah, and, and their offense, they come out and they go down the field on the first drive. They get into field goal range, and then Colton Miller re-injures his knee, and everything goes to hell. It looked like the Seattle game where they just couldn't run an offense after that. It's tough. I mean, Derek Carr was sacked a lot, but Derek Carr kind of runs into those sacks a little bit. So you, it's a chicken in the egg where – you know, he's sliding on second and 11 with no defenders around him. I, I remember three third and longs where he threw well short of the stick. It's, one was like third and 23, but you're past midfield and you throw it two yards to Brandon LaFell. And that's kind of where the Raiders are at right now. And they just look like a team that gave up and they have eight games left. It's about as ugly a situation as we've seen in a long time. If you're a Raiders fan, are you more depressed about the effort level on defense or about the fact that you might not be able to evaluate Derek Carr behind this offensive line the rest of the year? I'm, I guess the effort level, because that speaks more to just is John Gruden ever going to figure anything out. And, uh, at, yeah, at least we got to see George Kittle do his thing. George Kittle, the tight end on my all-pro team. He looked – that 71-yard that catch, I mean, to, to pull it in – one hand and then not break stride and keep going. That was impressive. I I was happy just for Kyle Shanahan, who's who's had a hangdog expression all season. I think he's he's trying to he's trying to do his best here, and they get a second win. They've had a lot of bad luck, so it was a fun night for them and uh, a terrible night for the Raiders, who have the worst uh, defense in NFL history right now in terms of yards per play allowed going into this game. It got significantly worse. So this is a historically bad Raiders team that we're probably not going to talk that much about the rest of the season, uh, except when we're forced to. <laughs> that checks out. Uh, before we throw it over to Dan Hansis and uh, Mark Sessler, I didn't even introduce myself uh, to start the show. This is Greg, obviously, with Chris Wesseling. Uh, I just wanted to get your thoughts, Chris Wesseling. We got some news after we taped all the games earlier that Paul Zimmerman, Dr. Z, passed away on Thursday. And I know he had a huge... Um, influence on me just in terms of how much I loved reading him and and I know it's the same for you yeah I've been asked by other podcast hosts how would you want people to see your writing or how would you describe your writing and I would want people to think that he writes like a sports writer who has played sports Mm. and views it through that lens and Paul Zimmerman to me he started film watch combining film watching with sports writing in a way it was the first analytics Mm-hmm. of football and that he wrote as a guy who played in college he played for Columbia and then played in a semi-pro league in the trenches and really knew the game inside and out but he also knew how to tell a story it wasn't just often analytics don't tell a story and often um writers 
get too into the numbers and the stats and they don't tell a story. Paul Zimmerman was a storyteller. Yeah, he could write his ass off. And Sports Illustrated, where he was for a long time, has a lot of his Super Bowl game stories up, and he wrote a lot of great features. But uh, if if you're into reading about football, uh, The Thinking Man's Guide to Football by Paul Zimmerman or The New Thinking Man's Guide is the one I would get to me is like maybe the seminal sort of tape watching where I've always thought how great would it be if a book like that came out talking about the players of today. So go check that out. Another great one is uh, the last season of Weeb Bank. I think is kind of a an underrated season in the life gem of uh, an old Jets team. So Paul can- Zimmerman. Uh, 86 years old. Uh, rest in peace. You can see more on him at NFL.com slash books. I wrote about it. And Mike, check out Mike Silver's article. He wrote about him today. NFL.com slash silver. So we, we lose a great one in Paul Zimmerman, uh, but the, the show goes on and we're going to preview all the week nine games with a very professional host, Dan Hansis, right now. The Around the NFL Podcast. Now, this is London. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined in a room filled with heroes, Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. All right. How was everybody's Halloween nights? Mark, I'm looking at you. Uh, formulaic. <laughs> Formulaic Halloween. Wow, we was it was nice. We went up the street, got lots of candy. Came down the street on the other side, mm. got more candy. Went home. Okay, I've it was good. great. It was one of my. It's always one of my favorite nights. One of, the best it's one of my kids, my kids' favorite nights of the year. And I was just impressed that you know my son Walker. We must have put in a solid like two and a half miles of walking That's as a nice. three year old, and no complaints. I know that makes me just look like a bad dad after Greg's glowing review. It's just like I we had a great time, but I don't know yeah. what it doesn't. No, what had, details am I going to get to Greg, separate? It was one of my favorite days of the year. Oh please! I loved being with the kids, and <laughs> I wasn't doing it as a reflection on you. I'm just yeah, speaking to my. I'm just experience. saying how I feel it's, too. You guys are just amazing. And uh, I dressed up as, as Dracula, and when my son Jack, he's he first saw me, he didn't talk to me for the first forty five minutes. Completely terrified <laughs> of me until. He he calmed down. Wow. Um, I did get into a little a bit of trouble, Wes, on Twitter. I'm curious. I feel like you might align with me. I don't know on this. Is that I tweeted? I got too many 18 year olds coming to get, you know, Halloween candy at my door. I feel like you age out at a certain point, and people came down hard on me. He's like, "Oh, listen, if uh, it's better that they're getting candy than getting into trouble." It's like that's the bar that we're setting for the teens now. Wait, hold on. I can't believe there was any blowback whatsoever a on this. A ton of blowback. I got killed. That's for ridiculous. It. This is a child's activity. I'm not surprised there was blowback because you could put anything out there and you get a bunch of people coming at you. But I could not side with you more. They're, they're, yeah, I'm with you. Maybe they just maybe they were sick, 15, 16, but they kind of look like 18. I don't they know. They were close. There is that age. Sixteen's too. I do remember you, distinctly the year where you realize you're too old. It's yeah. the same and year then, you and stopped And you're kind of like, cards. well, I've already put it on. <laughs> I'm getting that candy this year. Next right. year, I'll stop. To me, that was that's like 13, 14, maybe max. And then you gotta you gotta move on. When you're 18, I remember it. And maybe I look back on it fonder than when I was in the moment, but there's a lot of fun stuff to do when you're 18. You got to give up some certain things as you get old. Somebody came at me on Twitter and said, oh, well, you, ha- you have to be aware, though, because, you know, you never know. Maybe they're developmentally disabled. And I was like, what? I have empathy for those type of that's people. That's not your, but, what you're so saying. That's what we're going to – that's Roping the bar. Roping bands of mentally disabled people that's just <laughs> showing up in your neighborhood. So now I need to be nice to everyone just in case. They're developmentally disabled. And, you know, come on. Twitter is a graveyard. society. Yes, we had people over last night. We had a nice little time. 
Yeah, yeah, we had a good time. You you had the fun. We don't have kids yet. Time. Well, we had many children there. Omar Ruiz and his wife came oh, with nice. their two kids, and we had several other children there. Oh, fun! And uh, Ricky Hollywood is barely alive right now. Yeah, she's in that sweet spot. She's in her mid twenties, uh, where Halloween is a major party night, and you were probably tearing up West Hollywood, uh, as I could tell by your face and body. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> till uh, the wee hours of this morning. So we're going to take it easy on you if we can. Yeah, thank you. All right, we're going to get through this. Today is uh, uh, Thursday. You heard at the top of the show, uh, Wes and uh, Greg uh, explain the Raiders 49ers game. Give that game some context. Somebody had to explain it. So uh, we're going to go through the rest of the week nine games now. Uh, I don't think there's a week in the NFL that has more buys than there are this week. The Cards, Bengals, Colts, Jags, Giants, and Eagles <clears throat> all open this like week. Uh, which means that we have fewer games to talk about, but we're going to give them just as much respect. I would say it may be more big-time games than any week of the season, despite the be fun. lighter schedule. Sunday's going to be fun because you could really focus in a little bit more than you uh, usually can when there's a ton of games to go through. Clear so, out the garbage. Clear out the garbage. And let's start. Let's get into it. One of my favorite rivalries in football. I think a lot of people agree. The Steelers and the Ravens squaring off in Baltimore. Uh, the Steelers have put it together. Three straight wins. They beat up on the Brownies last week, prompting the Hugh Jackson firing. And now they get the Ravens, who are in a little bit of trouble all of a sudden. Four and four. They've lost uh, two straight. Mark, uh, is the season slipping away for the Ravens? I mean, I don't know how else you define it at this point. The way that they played against the Panthers, you get to halftime of that game, and Baltimore looked totally shot to me. And it was just uncharacteristic. from the When they played Pittsburgh the first time, they shut down James Conner to 19 yards rushing the whole time. I think this is a completely different Steelers team from when that was back in week four. The way that Pittsburgh beat Cleveland last week expedited all those firings because they hammered them in the second half in every way that would remind you of what a Pittsburgh team does well on offense. Connor, 212 yards. I know that it. I know that statistically that came on both the run and the pass. It was one of the most fascinating running back performances that I've seen all year. I don't think he's going to be controlled that way by the Ravens this time around. And Baltimore's offense has some issues right now. They just could not get it going. I, you mentioned it yesterday about Joe Flacco. This is who, a, this who, 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 Dan did. Oh, this yeah. minor little thing, and I know it's picked on. But Joe Flacco, when he's sent out wide and they ran the ball, this is not a big deal. But just something about his just standing there, like not a single person believed what was happening. When you are a football team and there's one person that's not doing their job, you're, that's a disadvantage. It's kind of a bit it, now. Yeah, but I, I agree. It's kind of a bit. And didn't Lamar Jackson have probably a bigger impact on that game than any I game I thought he so did. Far? They, I, they, they I seem like they're willing to use him more and more. Job, though? Flacco's job is to stay out of the way and yeah. at least not get injured. It, it just annoyed me. I, I, like works. I said, yeah, out of the gate, the I don't think it's a huge tactical issue. Just it annoyed me. Just the Flacco. What do you want him to do? I'm just curious. Just maybe. How about look a little more engaged? Are you kind of like Matt Patricia to that reporter right now? Sit up straight, Joe Flacco. Well, first of all, this show opens with me looking like a terrible dad while everyone else That's is just this head. wonderful society man. <laughs> well, is, have a nice time with you. That was in all your head. You That's called in your own brain. Port- I should not have answered that first because I tried to go against the grain a little bit. Then everyone else just gives me Pollyanna 1940s answers about what <laughs> a <laughs> manufactured <laughs> joke. I'm done. I see that sticking with you a little bit. It was a great, great night. It was a great night. I think Mark, you guys are just wonderful. Mark had even mentioned on Wednesday. You are like wonderful. The, it was like the sixth time his kids had dressed up. He seemed thrilled with it. 
That is the reason. Because I will, another thing, why is Halloween celebrated over the course of like three weeks now? Do you know why? Because kids love it. It's too much. It's not special if it's happening five I or would, six you times. Know, you You've got to be kidding me. If why don't you, don't you phase out some of them? Phase out some I, of them. Like I have any control over that. This? Back to the game. It's already one of the most intense rivalries in the league, and now you have a really desperate Ravens team that knows it's better than its 4-4 four and four record, knows this is a huge game, and then they have a bye the week after that, so they're putting everything into this game. This is, you, I hate the term must win, but in terms of wanting to win the AFC North, I think this is a, a must win. It's such a strange spot that the Ravens are in. They are third in the NFL in point differential. It's the Rams, it's the Chiefs, and it's the Ravens are next, and yet they could be staring at five and four and five. They would be one and three in the division if they lost this game. They'd be three losses behind Pittsburgh, and they're playing the Steelers at the wrong time because right now the Steelers' defense has found some answers. They are number one in the NFL in yards per play allowed over the last three weeks. I mean, the number one defense. I don't think they're they're that good, but they're certainly playing more cohesive and they're tough to score on. And I think the Steelers' offensive line right now has to be in the mix for the very best in football. This is the first time I can, maybe since early in his career, that Ben Roethlisberger's teammates, and that's the line, that's his running game, it's his receivers, are kind of carrying him more than, more than the other way around. And... Back on the Ravens' side, at least from a production standpoint, Joe Flacco is producing kind of like last year's Joe Flacco again. The last four weeks, they're just not—they're not, not going to hang in the conference or in the division unless he gets back to where he was in the earlier part of the season. They need Flacco to kind of come into his own uh, the way he did. He's got to get that chip back on his shoulder. Show fluke some up. life. Can't be fluke. Hey, hold on, last guys. Week, I think hold on. Okay. Yes. The the lights just. Blinked in here, and now the TriCaster looks off. Let me just call Ingest and make sure is that this we're a, s- is this a ghost coming? Seriously, after I know Mark it literally like them? it's like the power just went out or something. Oh, grot! That's real grot. <laughs> I fixed it. Oh, you did? Yeah. What a hero! <laughs> oh, I feel like nice. that was a manufactured crisis to allow her simply to act like that she was, fixed something. That was her message to the shadowy league figure. It's like, hey, I'm not that hungover. I'm still fixing things. Yeah, we can't see. discipline me. Right. <laughs> Is that what I sound like? <laughs> <laughs> yes. You can't discipline me. <laughs> uh, what is that? All right. Let's move on. Oh, pick that game, by the way. I like that game a lot. I came very close to locking up the Steelers, so I'm going to go Pittsburgh. Go. Ravens. They're, I think they're the better team, and they're more desperate. I think the Ravens bounce back yeah. in a big spot here. I would take the Ravens. All right, let's move on. The Chicago Bears, the team of around the NFL, got back on track last week against the Jets. Uh, handled them rather easily after a slow start. They now travel to Buffalo. So this is a get-right one-two punch uh, for the team of ATL. They get the Bills and uh, Nathan Peterman, almost impossibly Chris Wessling is back in our lives. <laughs> Nathan Peterman back in. Um, this is still a test for the Bears, hmm? even with Nathan Peterman, because that defense, I mean, I, I love watching Matt Milano play. He's a fifth-round pick from last year. He's, he's now like almost a Pro Bowl-level linebacker in the middle of that defense. And the Bears have to get Jordan Howard in their downhill running game on track. They've got a lot of things going right for them. Mitchell Trubisky, despite all the criticism, has an identical passer rating and almost identical rushing numbers to Cam Newton. He has almost identical stats to Jared Goff's breakout year last year. I'm not saying he's playing on that level, but he's probably being picked on a little too much. This is a good team. 
He has more touchdowns than Aaron Rodgers or Matthew Stafford through the air. The one thing, if you don't, if you just skipped Monday Night Football, which I came very close to doing, uh, but we were required to comment on it during the Twitter show, so I watched the condensed <laughs> version on Tuesday. But the final score does not tell the story of the fact that that game was nine to six with about 15 minutes to go because of Buffalo's defense. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough matchup. I do want to see progress from Trubisky. It does show the limitations, I think, of of those statistics. Now, I don't necessarily buy into PFF has Trubisky as the lowest rated just passer, not at quarterback, but just in terms of passing by far in the NFL. And I and I think there's something to that too. I probably have it somewhere between somewhere between versus anyone on Buffalo versus anyone that qualifies. He's missed you have more to open it. throws than anyone and Tom Brady's probably right behind him. He he has missed far more open throws. He's also had far more dropped interceptions fumbles that his team has recovered. So he's had a lot of lo- a lot of luck. And I do want this team to kind of be a real playoff contender, make some noise. And I do think Trubisky's going to have to play better than he has. So I want to this is a good game to to test him, I think in Buffalo. They've got to be careful because I know it sounds crazy. They're probably going to go in and mow down Buffalo, but it has trap game feel because you can look past this if you want to and realize that you have the Lions twice and the Vikings over the next 3 weeks. And that's where the Bears can make major ground up in this division. And Buffalo, like they asked the Vikings, they, with their defense, generated so much chaos for that Vikings team that the result was totally unexplainable. Uh, Also where Terrell Pryor uh, takes over the team, leadership-wise. I mean, the guy's a leader. The guy's a born leader everywhere he goes. I like this new – this is a new thing. Yeah, he never – this this is the story with Terrell Pryor. I don't know if anybody's aware of this because we did talk about it on YouTube recently, but not here. (laughs) Terrell Pryor – People say, oh, what's what's up with Terrell Pryor? Is he some type of menace in the lo-? No, 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 no. It's the other way around. Everywhere Terrell Pryor has went in his career, he's left that locker room a better place. Hmm. A better place. For his absence? I made <laughs> I made the <laughs> comparison. It's Patrick Swayze in Roadhouse. He's the cleaner. He comes in. He finds out what's wrong. You know, guys are stealing from the bar. You know, uh, stealing drugs in the bathroom. People are showing up to work late. People are drinking on the job. He gets rid of all these type of issues, and then once the, the bar is doing well again, once the locker room's doing well again, Terrell Pryor goes on to the next place. So, I mean, the Jets probably had less locker room issues because they only needed him there for five weeks or so, and then they were, they were, were good. Perfect. Okay. Perfect locker room. Oakland, Washington, Jets, and now Buffalo. You watch. Okay. All what right. else? What else about this game? Oh, Tariq Cohen needs to touch the ball more, by the way. Come on. Six touches? That guy's a special part of this offense. He's had 100-plus yards in three of the last four games. I'm saying, why is he only getting six Maybe. touches? Then less? he could have 400 they didn't need plus him last week. Save, Beyond that untouched 70-yard touchdown. Um, Bills have scored six or fewer points in four games this season. I mean, Chicago just needs to go do their job on offense. Matt Barkley. We we could see more Matt Barkley by the end of the season. That's how bad things are in Oregon. could Buffalo. see him by the end of this game. Uh, let's move on. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, <clears throat> they are starting – Ryan Fitzpatrick at quarterback, Jameis Winston to the bench. A tough cha- challenge for Fitzmagic because he's going now to Carolina. He's going to play the Panthers, who uh, looked really good, had that amazing fourth quarter comeback to beat the Eagles, and then spanked the Ravens, really humbled that team. Uh, so, Greg, here we are, Cam Newton and Christian McCaffrey versus the Buccaneers' last-ranked scoring defense. What are you thinking about this game? I want to see the Panthers continue to build their offense. It, it has a cohesive feel where it's like you're adding elements to it throughout the season. And DJ Moore's 
you know, the most important element to me that he, if he can play anywhere near the level that he didn't be make an impact near the level that he did last week on a week to week basis, they're going to be tough to deal with. I mean, this is, this is the first time I went back and looked that their offense is ranked higher in efficiency than their defense since 2012. They're the number five offense in efficiency by, by football outsider 17 on defense, and they have room to play a lot better on defense. This is a tough matchup for the Bucks. Doesn't feel like the week that DJ Moore would step back into the shadows against this Bucks defense. I mean, he, he, he had had a game a couple weeks back where he really hurt them with turnovers. Yeah. And he had a, a, they pitched it to him in this game, and he dropped it, and it took a nice bounce. But then you saw his speed because he went right up the sideline, and he can hurt you in so many different ways. Yeah, he reminds me a lot of Percy Harvin, and we saw that last week with those chunk plays. Um, I don't think the Panthers – I mean, they're, they're a such a much more physical and tougher team than the Bucks, but you can't take this offense lightly. They average 25 more yards per game than the Rams, 40 more yards per game than the Chiefs, and they are loaded with weapons. And they push, they push the ball, whether it was Winston or Fitzpatrick. Those are the, your two leaders in the NFL this season in terms of average – just air yards per attempt. So they're trying to go down the field over and over. Ryan Fitzpatrick, is he playing for his job this week, or do you think he has a little bit of rope this time around? I think he has rope more than a week. I think he'd have to fail spectacularly. But I want to see, like, if he – I mean, he was so accurate early in the season. He was playing above his head, I think we can admit. So what kind of Fitzpatrick are we going to see? Because he played outstanding last week, too, when he came in. You mentioned Winston – Greg, feeling like maybe there's a lot in his head about what's going to happen with his career, what's going to happen with the week to week. When I watch Fitzpatrick, like Fitzpatrick right now, any when he makes a big play, he's not afraid to show total emotion and celebration. And it's, it's in- contagious. His yeah, teammates do too. It's like a late a dude is just late career. He knows it's not going to be going on for much longer. He's totally at ease with himself, and I think that makes all the difference at quarterback. That's like playing quarterback the way Bruce Arians coached. Yeah, no, it's well said. He's always been, and we've talked about this this year because it's been a lot of these little pockets of Fitz magic. He doesn't take it that seriously. It feels like he he enjoys this a little bit from a distance compared to other players, and he understands it's just been a wild ride that he's been on, and no one expected it, and everything does surprises people. So he's just like, yeah, I'm having fun. There's no pressure. He doesn't play with pressure. Let's move on. Ooh, ooh, ooh. The Kansas City Chiefs, 7-1. and one. Ropping on teams. Do you know uh, the Chiefs, gentlemen, have only scored less than 30 points once this entire season? They've lost once, and they scored 40 in that game. This is a scoring machine. And now it travels to Cleveland to face Greg Williams and the Brownies. I don't think they need that illustrious call right there. Speaking of Greg Williams, uh, a lot of people, Wes included, uh, are – Oh, what's up with Greg Williams? He's he's not likable. He, he seems to be somebody that uh, tries to uh, antagonize people on some level. Here's what he had to say about it in his uh, Wednesday presser. I'm not looking for a whole lot of friends in life anymore. If I want a new friend, I'll buy a Labrador. Mark? It's a very coach, coach-esque type answer. I, I don't know. <laughs> that was... I'm going to buy my friend. I'm not sure that Labrador is even going to like him. Dogs have a good sense of people. So Are you he... calling that answer formulaic? Just slightly. <laughs> Less formulaic or more formulaic than, than my Halloween, which was delightful now that I, I'm go. remembering more about it. It was just a Simone, by the way, listens to the show, right? She does. She she knows. Every like, one of at them? Least, at least she knows that I'm not going to come let on here. Talk, like, you let know. Me We're pumping out four hours of content a week. She's diving into Simone, all four. She watches and listens to all of it. Simone, listen up. Um, Mark's right. You can't have too many Halloween parties. You can't, send, you can't put them in the costume over and over again. 
make thir- the 31st the special one and give Mark a little bit of slack. Well, she is not she is not to be blamed here because she <laughs> she did nothing wrong in this equation. <laughs> well, Why am I it, having this conversation? You said you were powerless, so I was trying to help you. You said you couldn't decide. So, no, to the it. Halloween machine. I think she would agree. We were in cahoots thinking this is too much. It's just too much. Here's one thing. She, this <laughs> opinion that you have on Halloween, it wasn't broken to her listen to this podcast. She, she, exactly. She's heard it before. Exactly. I don't break family news on this show for the most part. She's heard it. <laughs> All right. Your Shall thoughts? I mention this game? There you go. Greg Williams, he, he's taking over this Browns team. What can you expect here, Mark? I think this is – look at all that's happened in Cleveland over the last week. The most disastrous situation because now you have the Chiefs coming into town. Cleveland's defense has given up the second most big plays in the NFL. John Dorsey essentially drafted both of these quarterbacks in this game. He built the Chiefs largely, not entirely, and I know without not without some mistakes. He's building the Browns. This feels to me like when your old girlfriend shows up at your house and you you have a new girlfriend, and this old girlfriend shows up rapping on the door, and she's hammered, and she's determined to create total chaos for you. And John Dorsey needs the Browns, his new girlfriend essentially, mm. to step up and make it clear that she's in charge and she's going to make a statement here. Good luck with that, Joan of Arc. <laughs> it's not happening. They're going to get romped, and it's going to be a very ugly first chapter to this. I don't, I don't know about it. hammered, but just I think got has her stuff together, yeah. looking sharp. It's all locked down, and you show up, and, yeah, the the Browns are the mess right now. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> yeah. one way. I think there's the other type of ex that shows up with a whole lot of sauce in her, and then she's just there to burn everything to the ground. She sounds fun, though. She was in the <laughs> I'd past. let her in. She was, but there's a reason that you moved on. Trust me. I hear you. I, hear I you. feel personally attacked. <laughs> this is hitting close to home. It's like Erica's like, Everything they're saying is my life. I mean, it's amazing to think in three weeks the Browns went from one of the stories in the NFL, positive stories, to every other Brown season of the last yeah. decade. I mean, it happened so fast. But yep. you know what? If they could, I'm not saying they're going to beat the Cheese. But you, you talk. Say of, it. You, Say it. I, I'm not saying is they're going to beat Is he locking it up? But you know, <laughs> definitely not. But they, they play well at home uh, sometimes. And they might rally rally around. They, they might be relieved as a team that Hughes finally out the door. I would not be shocked at all if they make a game of this. I'll just put it at that. Put it at that. And if they could somehow win, you save your season, and all of a sudden all this negativity goes away. Um, I know it's a long shot, but I think the Browns are going to be competitive this week. I just got a bit of a Sessler. Okay. I mean, I, I, I agree. No, nobody should be shocked if the Browns are competitive. They also shouldn't be shocked if it's 24 to nothing after the first quarter. No. Well, I'm with you on that. Cleveland has some Again. fatal flaws that are growing more fatal. I mean, there is no way to grow more fatal than fatal, but they're they're growing. <laughs> go- there's more gore attached to them with each Super week. Super fatal. Like your left tackle is an absolute disaster. D. Ford could have a wild game in this you game. You hear that, Joe Thomas? Oh, by the way, yeah. Justin Houston's practicing again, too. And I mean, it's – yeah. Yeah, and, and Greg Williams' defense, which has got a lot of love, including in this room, and has a lot of good well, players. It got him four job offers. Right. He he said it's yeah. gotten him 11 job <laughs> offers, four where he didn't have to interview for the, I mean, that's that's me. hey, Why head, say that? Sight unseen. There are 32 <laughs> head coaching jobs in the NFL, which is the highest level of professional football in the world, and Greg Williams has one of those chairs. Checkmate. Greg Williams won. We believe – we should believe everything he says. People bang on that door for Greg Williams. I mean – yeah. yeah, he wanted to go work under Hugh Jackson, take orders from him for what? More, yeah, more Everybody c- knew he was getting canned. It was not a bad strategic move. More concerningly, he 
more or less admitted he didn't want Freddie Kitchens to be his offensive coordinator. What? So he's really starting off <laughs> this What did he era. say? They just asked him about, like, was that his decision and was he involved? And he made it clear that he wasn't. And reading between the lines, I think he wanted Todd Haley to be his offensive coordinator. And something happened there in between the time that Hugh Jackson and Mark. Haley. Oh, it's yeah. a mess. And then Kitchens was making a joke to his credit today that, like, you know, he had to go get to all the job offers uh, that he's had. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a running fit. Sounds healthy. Uh, Mark, one little uh, Browns trivia before we move on. The last Browns coach to win his first game. Uh, that would be Bud Carson. Correct. The wow. year? 89. Correct. Nice. Good work. Well we, done. We're just, like, taking Patrick Mahomes for granted, by the way, now. Like, he's, like, expanding the – the possibilities of like the entire position, and everyone's like, "Oh, of course he is. He's he's the MVP." He's Steph Curry. He's incredible. I mean, Dan Cleveland lost like twenty openers in a row, so I I quickly shot back into the. We 80s have a bunch of interim game. options yeah. there in the mix, but they here's a good Mahomes stat. Successful either. He has more four touchdown passing games this year in eight weeks than the Browns quarterbacks have had in three hundred twelve games since they re- since they got a new team in nineteen ninety nine. Well, it's a different league, but it's also that is a very Browns-esque. There's something rooted in reality there, too. All right, moving on. More sad teams in the room. The New York Jets are 3-5 and and not looking good lately. Uh, Travel to Miami to face the Dolphins, who have really come back to earth uh, after that 3-0 and start. They've lost four of five. Uh, They got a couple extra days off uh, this time around because they played last Thursday and got spanked. Uh, this defense has many, many, many holes, Chris Wessling. Uh, but the Jets' offense has many, many, many holes. It's the old movable object versus resistible force. Exactly. <laughs> and Matt Burke, the Dolphins coordinator who threw a fit on the sidelines last week, came out today, Thursday, and said our issues are systemic. We have too many uncovered wide receivers. Um, I'm going to make some tweets to the – tweaks to the scheme, but also players aren't playing to the scheme and starting jobs are in jeopardy. So they're they're on notice this week against a Jets offense, which has been about as dysfunctional as the Bills offense the last couple of weeks. Yes, it has. They're at, they had that um, game, uh, who was it, against the Broncos where they went over 300 yards as a team. Isaiah Crowell went for uh, over 200. Since then, and that's going back now – this will be four weeks since that game. They've averaged as a team 2.2 yards per carry. So they're getting nothing out of their running backs. Uh, we know about their issues with the wide receivers, so they get uh, absolutely no uh, separation from the cornerbacks. And over and over and over again uh, last week, the only positive for the Jets' offense is that Darnold didn't throw an interception. But over and over again, he would roll to his right, he would look around the field for somebody to be open. Nobody would be open. He'd just throw it out of bounds. And that's why his percentage, completion percentage is as bad as it is, as it is because in addition to the picks, he's been throwing the ball away a lot because there's just no one to throw to right now. Part of me wants this to be like a show-me-something Jets kind of game, but they're too banged up. It's almost too much to I ask. really wanted to actually lock up the Jets because I don't like – I hate the Dolphins. Everybody knows that. I've got some good Jets news. What do you got? Deontay Burnett, who caught passes from Sam Darnold in college, looked pretty good last week. They have a rapport there. Chris Herndon, the tight end, Herndon's not good, bad. He's has good. a touchdown in three straight games. And Tony Romo spent the whole broadcast salivating over Sam Darnold. Just he, absolutely loves him and basically says, pay no attention to what's going on right now. The intangible, intangibles like poison the pocket, throwing off of a dirty platform where he doesn't have to set his, doesn't get a chance to set his feet. 
These are things, his Wait. facial awareness. Spatial awareness. These are things that <laughs> Sam Darnold is showing, and when the talent improves around him, when the play caller is there, you're going to see all this blossom. And it really does make you feel good as a football fan when Tony speaks like that. Because it's like, okay, oh, of course. things I'm are going to be okay here. Things he's not saying okay. that about Brock Osweiler when he's throwing no. two yards on third and three. Like right. The yeah. Dolphins last week offensively went back to kind of what you would have expected from Osweiler. But Devontae Parker – Looked great. Like I, this is this is a coin flip game. It wouldn't. I thought you would maybe uh, lock this. I up. thought about the it. way the Dolphins' defense has looked, yeah. but the Jets' offense. Yeah, it's just. Terrible. It's. I really Not did want to lock up the Jets, but, but their offense has been that bad where I can't. Uh, but I do think the Jets will win, and not that I think the Jets are going to hang around, but they're well set up to get to their bye potentially still in the mix because they got home Buffalo next week, then their bye. So if they can hmm. win this game, it just buying some type of relevance. Uh, to Thanksgiving would be great as a Jets fan this year, which we haven't had in many years. I will take the bullet from Dolphins fans this time because this annoyed me when I read this. And it, and it, you want to talk about systemic and issues that seem to plague our thoughts about the Dolphins in general. They have started four and four through eight games, obviously, in six of their last nine seasons and made the playoffs once. So these four, these starts for Miami, it's not just this year. It's like there's not a lot of like organizational faith that they're going to dig out and go on some big run. The one time they did was two years ago, and they were one and done in the playoffs. Right, and they're one and four in their last five. And Gase, it, even if he is pretty good doing what he can with the offensive pieces he has, like this is the team that he's helped build, and he's had no clue on how to fix a defense. It's been pretty lousy despite spending a lot of money on that side of the ball ever since he's been there. Let's move on. The Detroit Lions are 3-4, and four, uh, coming off a two-score loss to the Seahawks. At home, it's a bad loss when you look at their schedule. They got the Vikings now coming up, uh, and the Vikings are not going to be thrilled. They're not happy. They can't be because they really, um, Greg, played poorly on Sunday night football, right? They did. I, I think this is that they haven't changed that much throughout the course of the season. I wasn't that impressed with how they looked against the Jets for the most part. The problems that they have where they can't really protect Kirk Cousins. Their running game is erratic at, at best. Those those haven't really changed. And so it's a matchup where Kirk Cousins gets hit all the time against a team that has one of the worst pass rushes in the league in the Lions. So it's like, again, weakness on weakness, which is going to be worse. Vikings are banged up. I thought they looked damn good in that game until the Thielen fumble. And then everything just – Everything changed. I mean, that doesn't have to be the way it is. You're allowed to not collapse when you have a turnover. So, I mean, I don't want to give them too much credit. And they're also going through some injuries. Stephon Diggs has a rib issue this week. Xavier Rhodes and Anthony Barr have been banged up. Dalvin Cook. So, they're not as strong as they could be. They they fall to 4-4-1 if they lose. I mean, that Lions-Seahawks game – my one thought coming out of that, because the Lions have sort of done these things that impress you, and then they dip back down. They just got beaten by a, a better Seattle team. Yeah, right. They just they just are not the class of, C, of the. I Seahawks mean, this isn't an, it's not another like last chance game. But if you win this and you're the Lions, it's like everyone in that division might be four and four just about. The Bears would probably be in first place after this. And week. but if you lose it, you're you're losing touch with the the teams that just look better than you week after. Week. I'll I'll go a little further than that, Greg, and say they're done if they lose this week. If they fall to 3-5 and five, and then they got at Chicago, home against Carolina, Chicago, then the Rams. I just That's don't... A stretch. Bro. I don't see how they come out of that with at least two or three more losses, and then, you know, you're staring down the barrel of 8-8 eight eight if you're lucky. They have enough playmakers that you give them a fighting chance in any game, uh, you know, against a team like the Vikings. Stafford, for three weeks, not last week, was playing as well as any quarterback in the league for about a three-week stretch. 
you still have Marvin Jones, you still have Galladay, and your boy Carry On Johnson to me has a new weekly feature, which I appreciate, which is like the get off me Carry On Johnson play of the mm-hmm. week. I mean, he just that's what separates him. He slides and he makes people miss, but he throws a defender down or two every week. He did it to Kiko Alonso, basically took his manhood. Uh, Alonso hasn't been the same since, and he did it to Justin Coleman, the slot cornerback of the Seahawks last week. It was just like his arms are flapping around like when he's, he's running. A, he's a fun guy to watch. Give him a chance. One we talked about in our awards, uh, Mark, last week, is there another MVP candidate? And I know wide receivers never get the award. It has actually never happened since 1958. But if Adam Thielen now matches his first half production, he would go 148 for 1850 and 12. Probably would have to be in the discussion if that happened. Just I mean, saying. in terms of the not over one season, but over multiple seasons of 100 yard streaks, I think he can tie. Uh, Megatron this week, and then he'd still be two or three behind Michael Irvin that happened over the course of two years, but it's pretty improbable and crazy what he's doing. He's on pace to break Marvin Harrison's record. Did you say that? I thought it was uh, – like Michael Irvin was in the conversation from what I read too. For but most receptions in a season. Right. I'm doing the – hundred. Well, there's that and then the 100-yard consecutives as different guys. He's also on my midseason all-pro team along with DeAndre Hopkins. You Ooh, can yeah. find that oh, at hello. NFL.com slash Westling. How did he sneak onto that list? Yeah. Wait, where's your vanity URL? They didn't give you one? Well, last year it was Matt Harmon and me tag teaming this project, and it was NFL.com slash all pro teams. It's still showing up as last year's list, so I can't, can't tell people. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. That's, that's a major foul by the – I mean, they could – They'll work on that. They could get that done. They'll Direct all your complaints to Ali Bampuri. <laughs> he will fix that. Who pulled off a very convincing Freddie Mercury at the Halloween costume really? event last night. Yeah, well, Good for him. Uh, moving on, uh, I'm going to see that movie. Tomorrow, actually. Bohemian Rhapsody in theaters nationwide. I may be, too, also. You want to go together? I am supposed to be doing sort of a date thing. Nice. The significant other, so. Censored. Well, you're allowed (laughs) to go. I mean, maybe we'll be there at the same time. I'm going to be one row behind you as you and Simone neck. <laughs> Throwing raisinettes. Are you not? You're not. You're not. You're Mark going back, alone. Mark back. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, maybe we can. Maybe we'll be there at the same time. There. I don't because I'm not certain I'm going. We'll see. That's my new favorite thing is daddy has a little pocket of time. I go to the movies. I enjoy myself there. Not in that way. I. I <laughs> no one was. Sounds great. I was thinking about Pee Wee. Ah! <laughs> the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, are coming off their bye week. They're three and four, but it's a good three and four when you got two straight wins going into your bye. And now you get the Washington Redskins who are playing real well. Three straight wins. Uh, Mark, are the Redskins, yes, they're five and two. They lead the NFC East to you. Are they a legitimate contender, though, in the NFC? Legit. In terms of big boys. Hopscotching the, the Rams and the Saints and going to the Super Bowl. Are they in that big boys club too? No, but I I would say this about the Redskins that we've spent all season, as most most anyone covering football talking about the wrong Gruden, and that the Redskins right now have a great record down the stretch of who they face. They they've got a pretty clear path to win the division if they don't crumble. This when I go back and watch these games, this is one of my favorite teams to watch each week. Maybe even my second favorite team, besides the one from Cleveland that totally just turned into a gigantic. Uh, space fire from outer space. But I will say this. The defense, I think, is fantastic. They're an old type of school team. I don't say space fire. I don't know what they mean. I'm losing. (laughs) Just like a fire from outer space. Yeah, I'm losing. I mean, you can't. Or just a space fire. It's a fire in space coming from outer space. One of the issues. You know, if you're writing, you edit. I would have taken that out, but I'm just going on the fly here. Yeah. You know, I I, I almost wanted to lock up the Redskins in this game, but I don't quite trust them yet. 
Okay. Looking at how they dealt with the Colts and how they dealt against the Saints, that when they play some of these offenses that can become explosive, the Redskins seem to score about 20 points a game. So it felt a little wrong. Just can't lock it up. Almost. This is like last week I locked up four teams, went two and two. Very proud of that. <laughs> this is your new bit is you're, you've almost locked two teams. I almost so locked up the yep. Redskins in this one too. I thought about the Skins as well here. And it's not because I fear the Falcons in any way whatsoever. I think this is the Redskins are going to push the Falcons around in an outdoor game. Falcons are without both starting guards for the season on offense, and they're two most important players on defense, and the Redskins have a loaded defense. I've been hoping, I guess, that the Falcons would get back into the mix. I think this is a very winnable game. I think the the – Redskins are not a legit contender, really, in the NFC. They're they are so much more physical than the. Fans. They're a bit. Be- they're a better team, and but they the better quarterback by far is in Atlanta. Uh, the better offense is with Atlanta, and so I just give them a chance. And I and I've said it a bunch this year. I give this coaching staff a chance that they're gonna start fixing or getting a little better on the defensive side of the ball because their offense is good enough to win games by themselves. When do you they're, stop they're saying off the, after this game? Okay, like at, gotcha. because they're coming off of a bye week and they're playing a pretty lame offense. And T- Thompson's not back. Chris Thompson's not back. Jamison Crowder is not back. I mean, this is this is a a pretty bad Redskins and offense. Alex Smith doesn't use Jordan Reed nearly enough the most dependable wide receiver by catch rate since 1994 in the NFL is Jordan Reed and they Austin Hooper the Falcons tight ends having a better year i've i've heard you say though like that west that you know that the trade isn't for Alex Smith isn't looking too good it's looking and terrible I, and i kind of think it's like, what did we expect? I had higher expectations, but if you just look at it, his numbers right now are almost identical to his average numbers in Kansas City, except for 2017. Almost identical. They haven't had Thompson. They don't have Crowder. You know, they're winning games. It's like, this is Alex Smith. Maybe my expectations, too, were too high, but it's like, they're getting professional but you know what it reminds me of? It's what all they those, wanted. It reminds me of all those Chiefs teams. He's right. the reason yeah. that I feel like they can't get over the hump against the Part other teams it. Dan's mentioned in the NFC. He did, just, he did get better uh, last year, of course. Maybe you got to give him a couple more weapons, too. I don't think there's an overwhelming skill uh, level uh, with their skill players. There's not a lot of talent no. there. He's as good as you can be by playing quarterback in a way where you only take what the defense gives you. And right. Never take never, what you can Never take. gets intercepted, which is, which is key on this team. G Suite is a suite of cloud-based productivity tools that includes Gmail, Docs, Slide Sheets, and Drive. These tools improve your work life both in terms of your experience and the outputs you create, hence the new campaign, Make It With G Suite. You know when you have 20 identical versions of a document labeled final and no clue which is the latest? Oh, so yeah. you make another version Screw and name that. that one final, final, F right? That. Right? Not Every anymore. Time. Well, with G Suite by Google, it's almost like you guys know what I'm going to say next. G Suite by Google Cloud, a range of work apps like Gmail, Docs, and Slides let you make real-time updates to the same doc without having to keep track of version after version of a project. And since all the tools are cloud-based, your whole team can access the same document and work on the same page at the same time. That is Mm. incredibly, incredibly uh, advantageous. Human potential. Human potential is just... To find out more about G Suite's productivity tools, visit gsuite.com. That's gsuite.com. Make it with G Suite by Google Cloud. Do you like luxury, Erica? Yeah. Of course you do. The Mosaic Hotel Beverly Hills in an exclusive is an exclusive luxury Beverly Hills hotel. Whether you are traveling to gorgeous Beverly Hills for business or pleasure, you will find a world of comfort just steps from Rodeo Drive and Beverly Hills attractions. You'll be met with elegant styles, 
unpretentious service and luxury at the Mosaic. The most intimate hotel in Beverly Hills and Los Angeles, the Mosaic Hotel offers richly designed rooms and suites only found in true luxury boutique hotels. Each room in our luxury Beverly Hills hotel is smoke-free and furnished with the utmost attention to detail. After a day of shopping, relax by our heated pool. Then sample California cuisine with an international flavor at the Mosaic's Intimate Restaurant. Sound good to you? Oh, yeah. Of course it does. Plan your next luxury stay at the Mosaic Hotel. Visit our website at www.mosaichotel.com or simply give us a call at 1-800-463-4466. Dan, back to you. All right. The Houston Texans have won five straight after that um, three straight losses to start the season. In fact... This is the second longest winning streak after an 0-3 start in the Super Bowl era. you got to go back to the 1970 G-Men, who won six straight. Uh, and now they travel to Denver to face the Texans. You know, these are two teams, uh, West going in opposite directions because uh, the Broncos have lost five of six after they won their first uh, two games in a row. So this is a big game for the Broncos going into their bye. I imagine it's a big game for Vance Joseph, whose butt might be a little bit hot right now. They, there's a lot of common DNA in this matchup. This is the Gary Kubiak Bowl, if it's not the Demarius Thomas Bowl. Um, Quiet, Vance Joseph. I worry about the matchup for the Texans, uh, specifically their offensive line against Von Miller and Bradley Chubb, who's been coming on of late, coming off the edge against those tackles. But also a more intriguing matchup to me, the Broncos' offensive line, which you know gets very little credit and has been pointed as – pretty poor in pass protection, is one of the best run-blocking units in the league. Phillip Lindsay's averaging almost six yards per carry, and it's not just because Phillip Lindsay's elusive. It's because he's running through big holes. Against J.J. Watt and Jadevian Clowney, the best defensive run-stopping duo at, at defensive end in the league. Case Keenum's played pretty well the last couple of weeks. Not against the best opponent. Relative to how he played early in the season. He's played fine. If he played that well, if he played like he did the last two weeks all season – I think they'd be happy if it's not the like he's kind of this season's kind of been a roller coaster like his career has been a roller coaster. If they could get him to be steady, they're actually not. You know, they're kind of a fun watch because of what you pointed out at the beginning of the season. Cortland Sutton, Philip Lindsay and the young guys there. The Keenum coaster. I like that. I get it. Am I the only one annoyed by the fact that down in our newsroom or anywhere? All I've heard about 6000 times is the Demarius Thomas revenge game. <laughs> is that how anyone act? Does Demarius Thomas view just, this way at all? I think it's just kind of an unusual circumstance that you would this high, um, you know, this well-known wide receiver get traded and then four days later fa- face the team he played 11 years with. They I did him know. a favor, put him on a playoff team talking about being in the ring of fame. I mean, why would there be yeah. any revenge? It's yeah, just circumstance. Like it, no, it is. I guess it is. Yeah. Just revenge game just has jumps become on more it, of a thing. Revenge game has become more of a thing. That the thing I'm interested in is like, can the Watson Texans offense build on what we saw last week because this could be a really intriguing team in the AFC, but they really haven't done it offensively week after week. They they got rid of the ball last week quickly, like it's starting to make a little more sense. And so if we can see it again in a road environment. Yeah, I'll, start well, I'll tell you convinced. what. I'll tell you what, Greg. To that point, mm. I like the Texans. I feel like they're going to be a team that's going to be around. And I think there's no fluke to what's going on with that offense last week, even against a bad Miami team. I think they're going to get better and better with Deshaun Watson. And, Wes, you made good points. 
but it doesn't matter because the Texans are going to win, and the Zeuser, who's locked up four in a row, he's going to make it five. Lock it up, Houston Texans. Keep those dubs rolling right into the bye. I really like this lock as somebody who doesn't want you to continue your winning streak. <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling good. Feeling good about these Houston Texans. Bring on the Broncos. You kidding me with the Broncos? Clowns. Let's move on. Nothing personal. It just, it just is what it is. The Los Angeles Chargers are 5-2. Four-game winning streak. Feeling good about themselves. Coming out of a bye, so they're rested up. They travel to Seattle uh, to face the Seahawks, uh, who just uh, beat up on the Lions. They're 4-3. and three. Two uh, second-place teams in their respective divisions. Uh, Greg, uh, which one of these teams do you like better? I feel like this is like the uh, Greg Bowl a little bit. I, I, I'll still take the Chargers, but I'm not convinced they are better. But to your point, you're right. I mean, look at the games this week. You can have your, you know, your Steelers, Ravens, and the, you know, Rams, Saints are going to be oh, America's game of the week at 4:25. You know, there's Packers, Patriots. Like, you can't decide what's my game of the week, Fox. My America starts at 4.05. I don't care if there's overtime games in the early. I'm, lock it up. I'm catching that first, that first snap in this game. I'm locking up that this is my favorite game of the week. No, <laughs> You're a weird bird. <laughs> I have no idea who's going to win Greg, what do game. you think the impact on the, on the Chargers slash Seahawks locker rooms would be if they knew that this was – the Greg Bull. It's a lot of pressure. How, how it's a lot of pressure, and it's one of the triple G Bull. It's one of the best possible matchups when the Chargers' offense is on the field. They have the number two passing offense right now. The Seahawks' pass defense is number three in the league according to Football Outsiders, and all the guys are playing well. Justin Coleman, Bradley McDougal, Tedrick Thompson. And I'm just looking forward to like seeing Philip Rivers go for those bombs in Seattle because you know he's going to go for it, and that just has not been how you beat the Seattle team. They, I thought they missed Melvin Gordon going Absolutely. into the bye. Yes. And he's not practicing fully, so I don't expect him to be 100%. But I, they didn't do much scoring without misplays by the Titans cornerbacks in that game. So I want to see if that offense is really at full strength. And not a cold water move here by the Zeuser. Uh, but we still have to see how the Chargers play against good teams. The 5-0 and against all the sub-500 teams on their schedule. They got beat down by the Chiefs and Rams. A lot of teams have. There's no, no shame in that. This is a good Seahawks team, so this will be it's a, a great little test. Uh, test for them. One of the reasons I thought the Seahawks might be a playoff team despite a very tough schedule, they've only played two games at home. I mean, hmm. they, they, have, they have done very well on the road. They're 1-1 one one at home this year with that close loss to the Rams. They are normally a very tough home team. I mean, I think the Chargers are absolutely underdogs in this game, especially the way Russell Wilson the last three weeks, it's out, his numbers are outrageous. He has nine touchdowns in one interception, thrown only 20 passes a week. Like, he's, he's thrown for like 12, 13 yards per attempt. It, it, this is like Pete Carroll's dream right now, what is happening with the Seahawks offense. Could that be because of the presence of move tight end Ed Dixon? <laughs> I mean... Probably. He made a play last week. He made, good he last made a week. play. Probably that's probably the end. More than David Moore at Dixon. Uh, all right, let's move on now. Now let's pick that game. And oh, you want to pick it? Pick it. <laughs> it's the Greg Bull. I'm taking the Seahawks at home. Yeah, at the clink. This was Seahawks. my shy away game of the week. Like number one game to stay away from in the locks. Mm. I'm taking the Seahawks at home. This is the show-me-something bowl for the Chargers. Go get a dub. Both you haven't made the playoffs since 2013. You've been talented the entire time. Please get a get dub it on the road. Once. Absolutely. Is that your pick? Yes. Bolts? Yes. <laughs> Moving on. On the fly. There's no repercussions. Uh, <laughs> triple, triple G bowl. 
he thinks it's America's game of the week, but there's only one. And it's going to be in New Orleans at the Superdome where the Los Angeles Rams, halfway through their regular season slate, perfection, 8-0. and They travel to face the Saints, 6-1, and and playing great. They, uh, of course, got tore up by Ryan Fitzpatrick. How long ago does that feel? Almost a 50-burger dropped on him by Ryan Fitzpatrick in week, week one. They haven't lost since. So here are two teams, uh, uh, Mark, that really – you can make a case that these are definitely definitely for one of them. This is the two best teams in the NFC going head-to-head. This is what we like. Agree. I can't help but wonder also if Sean Payton is just a little – because he seems like someone who might get a little annoyed at things and hold on to stuff. Maybe just a little bit annoyed that he's being shoved into the background by another Sean. It's all – everyone's – Oh, for uh, sure. Yeah, everyone authoring these sort of flowery thing pieces about Sean McVay. <laughs> And maybe at this point, he says Sean, he's watching Sean McVay every week. I'm sure he's, he's saying so, that he's so impressed. I'm Hersing sure he's saying television. that, but he's. I think he's furious. Yeah. I think what Mark's we're gonna, building a narrative. I think here. what we're going to get in this game, and because we've been seeing Taysom Hill, for instance, someone like Taysom Hill used in amazing ways, that we're going to get a headline type play from Taysom Hill that either wins this game or does something that is so memorable because it's with Sean. Peyton's way of taking the Sean Bull back and all the Sean attention back onto him. I I know the Rams have looked unbeatable, but I don't think that's the case come Sunday night. I'm locking it up for the Saints. I like I that. I love the idea that's that, that, great luck. that Sean Peyton's massive ego is driving the game plan. That's definitely true, by the way. I just he, feel that he, he might must be feel staring at the screen watching uh, Sean McVay, but he's not watching it like, oh, great, great play call. Oh, I love this an- this analysis by the announcers <laughs> throwing praise all over Sean McVay. He's like, I'm the real Sean. Exactly. I'm the genius. I'm the uh, look at my track record the last 15 years in this league. You guys are both feeling this, huh? I totally it's, buy in. I almost want to lock it up on. too, but Mark handled it. <laughs> I feel like I say this every week that. You go into New Orleans where they play so much better at home, and I feel like they're going to unload on the Rams. And at the end of the day, I will pick the Rams to win because I have that much faith in their coaching staff, which isn't just Sean McVay. It's Bones, and it's Wade Phillips, and it's Shane Waldron. And this is – Now you sound like Sean McVay. I mean, uh, Sean Payton, getting confused. (laughs) I love what I hear from their players, too. They are a smart team. They play cohesively. They are a proud team. They're, They're a physical team. I love everything about what's going on with the Rams, and I think they'll just find a way to win. You gonna? No. You gonna? Nope. They're gonna try to have a tough time matching up with Alvin Kamara. I mean, every team does. Maybe it's Littleton. I, I don't really know. He was out of practice because he's sick on Thursday, but it does not sound like Alvin Kamara is gonna miss this game. Marshawn Lattimore played a little better last week. He's been very quiet throughout the season. Coming off that great rookie year, that's something to feel better about. But I'm a little worried that they trade for Eli Apple and they just play him 70 snaps. Doesn't really look that good. I mean, it was a tough matchup, but didn't really look that Ken good. Ken Crawley got kicked to the curb. Yeah. That, uh, I'm going to lock it up, too, though, because that was my plan before. So why change it? You're locking up the uh, the Saints. I like that. We can be on the same we'll team. We'll be on the same side. Maybe go Plus down the, the other. I wanted to switch, but it's too late. There's only two big favorites left. <laughs> Uh, I think, uh, wait, so there are two people in this room locking up against the undefeated team. I just don't Whoa. see too many other opportunities for the Rams Onion. to lose and go anything but undefeated. If this is their spot where if the Saints it's a- want we talk about four great teams that are going to meet in the NFC Championship and AFC without much question. If the Saints can't handle it here, they're not going to handle it's a it co- it's a on coin, the road. It's a coin flip game, but you'd much rather have it be 
you know, in New Orleans. Uh, you got a little, you know, banged up. We'll see if Cooper Cup is back. I mean, I don't know. So if, and if it's a coin flip game, why are you locking it? Well, there are. Yeah, we have to choose coin flip games. Two of the best most, offensive lines mostly, in right? the league. You know, indoors. I, you picked a coin flip game too. I, I thought that. But I don't feel rules. it's a coin flip game. I feel confidently about the Texans that even though some outsiders will say it's a coin flip, so gotcha. do you you feel gotcha. confidently about the Saints? Somewhat. I'm kind of yeah. sw- personally. I feel like I'm sort of just swinging. Swing yeah, I thought it, like at this yeah. point you gotta get you gotta do something to get noticed, you know. <laughs> well, you locked up four games last week, so you're doing a great <laughs> that job with that noticed. triple G. Uh, all right, moving on. Primetime football: the Green Bay Packers, three, three, and one. Aaron Rodgers practicing in full, feeling good. That knee maybe not bothering him as much anymore. Well, he's got a challenge now. He's going to Gillette because the, the powers that be, Operation Pink Pony, said, ooh, it's been tough. We, we haven't had the Patriots at home in primetime in a while. Let's get them back in their building at night. Uh, so here we go. Aaron Rodgers versus Tom Brady, two of the greatest quarterbacks of all time at the height of their respective powers. Bill Belichick said this week Aaron Rodgers is as good as any quarterback he's ever faced. And, of course, he was asked about Brady after that, and he said, Took the easy way out. Well, I've never had to face Tom Brady. Um, Aaron Rodgers is healthy. Their wide receivers are healthy. Aaron Jones is rolling and needs to play more snaps. Jair Alexander is healthy. And Aaron Rodgers was asked what he learned in the Rams game, and he said, if they are the best the league has to offer, we're not far off. And I, I totally believe that. I look at the personnel in these matchups, and it leads me to lock up the Packers. Oh, the yeah, Wes. At like the that. Patriots. Yeah, Wes. The Packers like are the stronger team. I love it. And their quarterback is playing much better than the other quarterback. I love it, Wes. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. That's how you do it, Wes. Oh, take I love it. it. Come on, Greg. What are you going to do about that? He's coming after your boys <laughs> in a big spot. Can I switch it to the Patriots or something? Is that what you're saying? Is that what you want? Sure. Oh, <laughs> we got a lock off. We got Oh, lock off. AM Twins. <laughs> All right. You got under was, Greg's skin, obviously. I know, I like wow. That. I like that. Well, you just, yeah, you just allowed me to switch from like uh, kind of a coin flip game to a reasonably heavy favorite in the Patriots. So I don't know if that took many onions. Desert doesn't know what they're talking about, Greg. The Packers have the stronger roster. The one thing I'd be wor- not worried about is just. What about Mark? He was all happy to be locked in with you. That seemed to make. I will. I, mean, if I'm I will somehow both, survive. I will be rooting on the Saints and Mark's lock along with him at that, 425. That is equal, Greg. Thanks. I'd be lying if I said I wasn't worried about the disparity between Bill Belichick and Mike McCarthy. <laughs> That's a problem. An and I'm always a little worried about bold like, lock. coming off of, you know, when you're coming off of two kind of headline games the week before, you take a lot out of those two weeks, right? And the Patriots are coming off kind of an ugly rock fight type of game. I don't take much out of that. It was a division game on the road. It's a short week, which you don't like to see. Shaq Mason might miss this game, which is a big loss for them going up against. Gronk's not practicing. Yeah, Gronk's not practicing. So those those are concerns. Your but, wide receiver is your running back. Right. But on balance, the Packers, I want to see them do it week after week at the level that they played at in Los Angeles because that's not really the Packers team that we've seen. It's the Aaron Rodgers that we've seen. I think he is solidly number three. I got I got my quarterback rankings up this week, the midseason, 1-32. to 32, And to me, it's Mahomes and Breeze are 1-2 are and two for sure. And 
Rodgers isn't too far off there for number three, and there's a pretty good gap after those three. And so he, of course, can shred the, the Patriots in any given week. Belichick yeah. also went out of his way to praise Jair Alexander. I mean, he gushed over him. Right. And the way he played last week, five passes defense, like that's more than any Packers rookie going back way, way, way. One thing about Brady, you mentioned, like I, when I watch him run, you know who it reminds me of right now? Bernie Kosar. At the end? Bernie Kosar Just now? Bernie Kosar, like, when he was playing, <laughs> and even in his prime, was a, like a bit of a gangly runner. And Brady just has these giant shoes with the tape wrapped around him, and he just is – He looks like an old guy. He just looks like yeah. an old he, guy him running Him and Eli ball. are from another era, but the difference is Brady still moves really well in the pocket. Yeah. And most it's more other I'm taking when he takes age, off. Right, he just looks – it does not look – Pretty. It's can not. I, it's not good. Can I? Yeah, no, no one arms bumping. No one denies. Can I? Uh, can I? This is a sensitive topic because your boys, Greg and Wes, I know you. You think very highly of this player, and Mark, you do too. Just as a football fan, are we? And Erica as well as a major Patriots backer. Are we post Gronk? I know he's beat up right now, so I you think can't he's judge hurt. it. Uh, is he always going to be hurt now? Are we past the era where he is that singular dominant talent? And there's just you just got to maybe expect a little bit less at this point in his career. Yes. My answer to that would be I've heard Greg say yes to this question three times over the years. And every time Gronk has a major injury, Greg and a lot of other people say there's no way he's coming back strong because it's that major of an injury and he's played at that high of a level. Ba- and every time he comes back better. But, Wes, eventually those injuries add up. I, I agree. I'm just not going to be I'm the just one saying, to doubt him. Yeah, I'm just saying that you said – to expect him to be at that dominant top shelf level. And you've said that three right, or four times over the years. We're at, we're at a pretty good sample size here with half a season. So this half a season, he's not at that he's level. Not a, he's, That's a pretty significant portion where he's on the field and he's really good. He's still one of the best tight ends in the league. He's probably going to get 1,000 yards. Doesn't seem to move as well. No, no he's and not, he hasn't for right years. But it remains to be seen if that's purely a product of something temporary or permanent. The problem is, let's say you get some version of it for the rest of the year. I'm not convinced he comes back next year. And like even this, this version is making unbelievable plays like that right. one he, he made is, down the sideline He is still week. the most valuable guy on the offense other than Brady, at, even at this level. So it's not – it's, it's not Jimmy even Graham. Right, it's not even close. I mean, he's still well, a top Well, that's not four. what I'm saying. I'm right. not saying that he's not the best tight end in the league anymore. I mean, Brady's – He's not on my all-pro team, I'll tell you that. Okay, yeah. I just – because you take – he made that great sideline catch – but hands are he just seems old, he just seems older than his 29 years to me but right now. Here's the That's thing: they compare playing. him to Travis Kelsey. It's like Travis Kelsey is not a tight end in the way that Rob Gronkowski is a tight end. It's not just that hey he blocks sometimes he's good at it. I mean he's in blocking 30, 40 snaps a game sometimes, and Kelsey's just not doing that. So he's right. extremely valuable. Yeah, uh, for, for that offense. But there's been a decline. There's been a decline for Brady. I mean I'm surprised you haven't gradual. Right now, hey, we're at the midseason. I have him about number 10 in the midseason rankings. That feels about right. Like, if this is a decline, I'm fine with it because he's still playing at a very high level. But yeah. he hasn't had the timing down with his no, Something he, looks a little he's off. Missed, he's missed a lot of throws this year. But that has to do with, like, they are so banged up. But there's something with Brady just looks a little different. Like, even him and Edelman have not been on the same page. So maybe it's just they got to have the same lineup in week after week. They've had a lot, not much continuity. I could be coming from a point of weakness on this pick, Dan. Yes. Because the NFL needs the Packers to win this game. Mm-hmm. They they are on a haunted hayride of a schedule right now that started with the Rams game. And then at New England, you get a break with the Dolphins at home next week. Then at Seattle, at Minnesota, 
the Packers, every time Aaron Rodgers is healthy, they're in the playoffs. And we need to see that as a country, mm-hmm. as a people who like to watch football. We want to see Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs. <laughs> they you. need to win this game. I mean, that that is up there. Other than, like, Mark taking the Browns 17 different times, that's maybe the biggest onion hanger that we've seen in the, in this segment. Let's move on. Monday Night Football, the Tennessee Titans. Oh, it was nice. A week without the Titans. That was nice. That's over now, though. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, they're back in action. Wow. Uh, coming off three straight losses, 13-12 to the Bills. 21 nothing to the Ravens, who have promptly went in the tank. And 2019 uh, at Los Angeles against the Chargers. Now they're at Dallas. London. In London, excuse me. Uh, now they are uh, at Dallas, uh, also coming off a bye. So they got uh, two teams that should be uh, theoretically at a good health level, uh, Greg. Uh, which three and four team do you think has a better chance of making the playoffs? The Cowboys, because of the division they're in, I think. Their defense is the best unit on the field in this game. But, you know, the matchup, I want to see it's like Jason Garrett coming off a bye <laughs> versus uh, Mike Vrabel and the staff coming off a bye. Who's, who's got each other? Who's well, they both, they both made changes. Over Pretty here. rare that both, te- both teams are coming off a bye, and then they put you on Monday night. Well, yeah. I don't know what's up with that. Cowboys fired their O-line coach. The Titans brought back a fullback, Jolston Fowler, which <laughs> I think signals their intention to try to get a running game started. They've been playing without a fullback. <sighs> I think that's what – the Cowboys also went out and got a wide receiver, and the Titans, who had some of the worst wide receiver play in the entire NFL, stood pat at that position. Amari Cooper, right, as Wes is alluding to, he's now a member of the Cowboys. This will be his debut game. So you're going to see this is two teams. They've combined for 13 touchdown passes this season. 14 QBs in the league have more on their own. So two teams that have not been able to move the ball in the air, and the Cowboys did something about it, and the Titans said, we're going to figure this out. And the five worst QB ratings in the league include four rookies and Marcus Mariota, and he's looked like it. Played a little better, certainly, in that game you know, before the bye. He's had a couple moments. It's been ugly. The, the thing with them trying to, like, uh, establish the run again, it's like no team has been trying to establish the run more. They're just terrible at this it. This is taking that effort to the next level. Right. I mean, they're, they're running on first and second down so much that it puts Mariota in a tough spot. His receivers have not helped him out in general. It's not a good receiver crew. There's been a lot of drops. It's a, it's a lot of everything. And he is he should be one of the best runners in the league, but he's just so indecisive that he just kind of stands there. It's well, not taking advantage of his mobility. I feel like the two teams in the South, the Titans and Jaguars, that made the playoffs last year are heading in the wrong direction while the Texans and Colts are heading up. And, mm. the, and the Titans, to me, just – how can you look at, like you mentioned, getting whipped by the Bills? The way they've lost some of these games, it's embarrassing. Here's the thing, though. They, they, I, you know, this is not gambling advice. No, no, no. We, no that no. doesn't happen. We would, but, not, um, we would not give that. Let's calm down on making the Cowboys prohibitive favorites against any team in the league just about right now. Give me a break. That's fair. All right, there you go. That's week nine. We'll recap all the games that we just previewed on Sunday night, uh, as we always do, our flagship podcast. And that wraps, yes. That was five straight days of programming from around the NFL podcast. Wow. We've never done that before. Let's you guys do want to just come back tomorrow? <laughs> no, well, six is a Friday. Five is fine. Let's get our Cal Ripken on. Let's just keep this thing going. Five I is absolutely available. fine. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, Mark, I'm going to be at that uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. If you, you know, I, the you more be, I think about it. at the popcorn stand? Yeah. Listen, the more I think about it, Halloween was absolutely an A-plus, and I would love to see you at the movie theater uh, potentially. Yeah, I mean, I'll be there. If you want to come hang out with me. I mean, we'll be there. So you'll be joining us. That's how I see it. 
Okay. If you just want just me and you, that'd be fun too. I mean, do you guys even know <laughs> if you go to the same movie theater? I'm pretty sure we do. Okay. We go to the Arc Light. Go to the Arc. Because it's Culver. Yeah. Then you go. You hit Rocco's after. There's a whole, a nice whole thing around it. Actually, may, maybe I'll have to cancel my other plans and just go with you. Not a, not, not a good way to bookend this uh, show for me after the way I opened it. Um, okay. This is Dan Hansen signing off for my silver screen buddy, maybe. The Quiet Storm, the mailman, the old boss, and the hungover one. Ricky Hollywood. See, we took it easy on you today. Till Sunday night. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand, it's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Zero Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture. Zero Foxtrot dedicates itself to producing content, honoring the sacrifices of forgotten heroes of the past, and connecting history to the present. Embark on a journey with Zero Foxtrot today at ZeroFoxtrot.com. It's not merely our products, it's about the ethos that we embody. Rugged, resilient, and timeless. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.